0: You are listening to the weekly podcast from Journey Christian Church. For more information about Journey, please check out our website at journeychristian.com. We are a community of fully devoted disciples of Jesus who reach out to love our neighbors, serve the hurting, and develop leaders for ministry. Well, we're going to jump in the pool here. We're going to really take a look at the same framework that we've been walking through, Creation, Fall, Redemption, Restoration. And we're going to try and get through that as we see God's thread economically through it. And I want to start with just a couple of comments from trusted people. The first is Billy Graham, and see what he says here. As he talks about before he died, he said, I believe that one of the next great moves of God is going to be through believers in the workplace. We're seeing that in our business school that we know, that students know, that they're probably not going to be all ordained in the full-time ministry in the church, but they are into the world. And so how many folks here are in the workplace more than they are the local church? Just about everybody. And Billy Graham says, this may be the place. So as you're shepherded by the team here, you were sent out to be ministers of the gospel into the workplace. That is God's economics. Now, our friend Howard Dayton at the Howard Dayton School of Business, we launched this 10 years ago as an experiment because we know there are 2,350 verses in the Bible that talk about money. That is one out of the six sermons that Jesus preached. And yet we often don't talk about it a lot. We just haven't brought it up. Well, we want to bring it front and center. We want to showcase triple bottom line businesses, which is using economic, social, and spiritual capital to help alleviate economic, social, and spiritual poverty. We want to prepare future leaders to do business in such a way that it would please both their Sunday school teacher and their economics teacher. And I look back to the fusion that I've had, that I've been able to study economics and business. I work in a bank. I'm ordained in a church. I have a theological education. I think God wants it all right here together because... You get equipped every Sunday to go into the workplace and talk about Jesus. And now we're going to understand God's economy. So our hope is that we launch the best kingdom business students for the world, not just the best in the world. Because that awaits us, a hungry world. So as we proceed, we're going to proceed through the same lenses that we've had the last couple weeks. Creation, fall, redemption, restoration. You ready to go? We're jumping in the deep end. Whole Bible, 20 minutes and 16-week class. Here we go. Creation. Let's go back to the beginning. And as a baseball player, you know that's a baseball term in the big inning. Uh, we'll get at least four dad jokes, so let's go. So in the beginning, let's see what God did here, because this is just a thumbnail of what he did. But God, Father, Son, and Spirit, complete community, preferring and deferring, loving one another, perfection, And that wasn't enough for God, Father, Son, and Spirit. They wanted to create the earth and creation to be in relationship. So they created a place and a space. They created physics, gravity, oxygen. Think about it. Crazy, mysterious. They created all this in the air the sea, and the land. And then if that wasn't enough, they created in their image man and woman to represent Father, Son, and Spirit and to have children, the sacred family in Trinity, the sacred God in Trinity. It's amazing. And think about the animation of humanity when God created man and woman formless into form. He also breathed his life into them. And I think this is one of those mysteries we'll find out in heaven, but I want you to do the math here. The first two sounds that Adam, God's creation, Adam, the man, yish, in Hebrew. When Adam was created, God breathed into him, and the first two sounds were guttural. They're breathing. And the first sound was an inhale. Say that with me. And the second was an exhale. Now let's say them together. I believe that God so intimately created creation to know him, say his name every breath, and be in relationship with him that the very first sounds uttered were his unmentionable name. That's how intimate God was in creating space, place, and people. Then we go on. God provided everything that Adam and Eve needed, everything they needed. And then in this perfect relationship, God gave them purpose. Tend the lands, be fruitful, and multiply And spend eternity with me. They were flourishing. It was perfect. That was the beginning. The beginning was an economic boom. Everything was taken care of. Now let's move on to what exactly God said for humanity to do. Because this is a a term. And if you go back and don't be impressed, you can look it up. But this is the Greek word that God said, tend the lands, work the farms. Oikonomia. Take care of my stuff. That's what God said for humanity. Now, oikonomia is a pretty clear, close translation to the word economics. That's the Greek version, oikonomia. U.S. version, economics. So economics in and of itself is a term that is sacred. Take care of the master's stuff. So this Trinitarian invitation... This great relationship with God, Father, Son, and Spirit, to do what? It was a great relationship. It was a great cooperation in the garden and a great commission. God wants to do it with us. Let's move on. That was, that was the paradigm. That's what, how it was created. Then, not shortly after, if you look into the big story... There was brokenness. There was the fall. And let's see what that means in the fall. Because in the fall, what basically happened was humanity said, it's not about you, it's about me. I in the middle. And sin puts I in the middle. If you can think about this, great theology, finding Nemo, the seagulls, on the post, I think they created the scene for what happened to humanity and has been happening ever since in the brokenness of sin, putting I in the middle. They said one word, and what was it? What was it? What? What? Now imagine a whole world, and for some of you, have to go back. Like I gotta watch Finding Nemo. Jesus is Jesus is in Finding Nemo. Let's go. All these seagulls going, mine, mine, mine. Can you imagine what it would be if a whole world said, mine, 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 mine? Well, oh, it's not that hard, is it? Sin puts I in the middle. And because Adam and Eve had a choice to say, me over God, I'm my own God. I know better than God. I'm going to do what God told me not to do because it's all about me. The result was work, which was worship, became toil, I in the middle consequences. I in the middle. I'm postmodern right here. I changed the word consequences because apparently we can do anything we want now in 2023. Spelled wrong, but it works for the sermon. There was punishment. And then they perished. All the food that did not have an expiration date in Eden all of a sudden had an expiration date including humanity. There was death. And the relationships that we had with each other and with God were split And divide it because I in the middle. Can you imagine such a world? We live in it. So as we proceed, let's talk more about what has happened here. The consequences are, and this is an economic statement here. The wages of sin, putting I in the middle before God, turning my back on God, is death. Is brokenness. Is a debt I can't pay. Now imagine this. What happens When we put ourselves in the middle. Well, I want to introduce you to who was the richest man in the world at one point in time. His name was J. Paul Getty. I don't know if you can see his picture there. A handsome feller, isn't he? Real happy guy. He looks like he's the richest guy in the world, doesn't he? God bless him. And they asked him a question. Mr. Getty, how much is enough? You know what his response was? Just a little more and you think about moving to the place where it's all mine, it's all about me, I want to gain and get whatever I can, it leads to greed, it leads to blame, it leads to brokenness, it leads to poverty. Can you imagine? I can. And so imagine this as well. Sin pays the wages of death. It's a debt we can't pay. Imagine a debt so big that no one could take care of it on their own. Imagine, oh, look at that. I start my class every year, and I'll start it tomorrow morning at 9 o'clock, give, save, and spend, personal finances, God's way, and I'll say, I'm Dr. Dan, I'm a baby boomer, and I'm sorry. (laughs) And I put up the National Debt Log, and I let it run all class long, and they're so fiery mad at the end there because they know It's a lot of decisions my generation made. And I said, do you want to hear what God says about money and how you might correct this? And then they lean in and we got a great 16 weeks ahead. So imagine this, but imagine this spiritually too. This is where we are and were because of putting I in the middle. Creation, fall, let's move on to redemption. So now this is the third act in the play here in this big play of life. And redemption is an economic turn. It's, it's taking nothing and turning it into something because of somebody else's involvement. So you redeem a coupon which is worth nothing into cents off on the dollar. We are redeemed because I have nothing to offer God. I am bankrupt. But because of Jesus, I now am valuable, worthy, paid for, and restored to God. So let's think about this for just a moment, because if we believe this, if we believe this, if we believe this, everything, everything changes. And so in my own journey, this was very important to me. But St. Anselm, another handsome fellow, I love to go backwards in history because some folks have been thinking about this. This guy was thinking about this 1,000 years ago, and it's an incredible economic An explanation of the cross of Jesus Christ. So I'm going to read it. We're going to put it together. And it then becomes the real change that will bring us in the living a restorative life. So Anselm said this. Neither we nor God owes anything to the devil. He was the one that brought the confusion in, the distraction in. Our only debt is to God. That's the original relationship. Christ died in our place because there was no way we could pay for the debt ourselves. There is, it's a debt I can't pay. I am bankrupt. It's like our national debt. But Jesus paid it. The heavenly kingdom must be filled with men and women. And if this cannot happen... Unless the satisfaction is made for sin. God wants us to be there. There is a price to be paid. Somebody's got to pay. Satisfaction which no one can make but God. And no one ought to make but humankind. I should be shedding my blood. I should be killed for it. And yet God stepped in with his blood. Now this is a sacred economy. It starts early on in Genesis. In the very beginning you can take a whole course in God's economy of blood That set this this up here. We don't understand it a whole bunch in our culture. Then it is necessary. The God man. This is Jesus put skin on. To make this payment. Because the God man. Both can do it. And ought to do it. The satisfaction. Or the turning in of this coupon. The redeeming. Which every sinner owes to God. I need to die. I don't have enough holiness to die Jesus died for me. I'm presenting that as a coupon to God. Will you redeem me? That's the exchange. It is a sacred economic exchange and a generous exchange. When I was 20 years old, a church kid, I was religious but not, did not have a relationship with Jesus. Somebody explained death and life, humanity and God's kingdom and the only way Was not my good works, but was Jesus paying, again, an economic term, for my penalty or my debt? When I understood that cross was the bridge to life and crossed it, not of anything I did, but because of what Jesus did, my life changed. Literally changed. Everything changed in my life. And I was an economics major then, but then I started to understand God's economy. You may be in this place of getting it. Great. You may be in the place of, you didn't get it, and now you get it. Well, we'll have a chance to respond later to that. But this is the key for God's economy, is understanding Jesus paid the price. We sing it. So as we move on here, this is what it has happened. Redemption, the payment of an obligation of debt that could not be paid. God's economy of substitutional atonement. He can't pay it. This guy's going to come in and pay it on his behalf. His debt is now settled. It completes the establishment of the blood sacrifice. God set it up long before. Never again will it have to be paid. That's a whole other sermon. And then exemplifying God's lavish generosity. God so loved the world that he... He's a giver, not a taker. Hallelujah. And he's a lover, not a hater. And we get to follow him in that same way. And so that brings us creation, fall, redemption into restoration now. And this is the rubber on the road. This is what we get to be a part of. We get to be joined God in restoring all things. That's the great commission. So we have to do this. We have to shift our paradigm. And a paradigm is not 20 cents. So we're gonna shift the paradigm. And start out with the fact God owns it all. God owns it all. It's all God's. Everything's God's. It's God's. It's not mine. It's God's. It's God's. It's God's. Even on our dollar bill, look at the back of a $2 bill. It says, in God we trust. There was a proclamation, this is God's. This is my Father's world. And then, if I understand that, because of the cross, because now I am at one with God, because of Jesus' price, I'm invited to join God in the great commission of restoring all things and using his money, his resources, his valuable things, his life in me to give that away for the sake of the Great Commission. That's the big picture, to manage his resources, to benefit his people in his world. If sin has I in the middle, you'll see this. Others has the cross in the middle. And when Christ is in my heart, then I can finally think about others. So let's move on because this is where the church comes in. This is the most exciting part. But to understand God's economy and money, we have to understand the basic choices we have in money. There's no better way to do that than to tell you about the worst movie I've ever seen. (laughs) Spy Kids 3D. Anybody want to admit they paid money to go see it? Well, nobody likes to admit that. But I'll take you through it real quickly. Here's Junie the star. He's saved up his money. He wants a video game from the game maker, the toy maker. He goes to, to buy the game. And all of a sudden, he sees somebody in need. He says, well, maybe there's something better in life to give my money to. And then all of a sudden, he snapped back into reality. Oops, goes gravity. No. Uh, the toy maker says, but Wait. If you buy, you'll be famous, you'll be successful. So he goes back, he trips, he falls, he breaks the bank, and the money goes away. That's everything we need to know about God's money right there. Because there's only three things we can do with God's money. We can save it, we can give it, or we can spend it. Now the world is saying spend, 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 spend. Spend money you don't have to buy things you don't need to impress people that don't really care about Spend uh, tomorrow's money today, or as wimpy for old people like me, I'll kindly pay you Thursday for a hamburger today. Buy, buy, buy. But that's not God's way. Let's look at what God's way of money is and what it is. is Simply, that's why we named the class Give, Save, and Spend. God invites us to give generously, then to save regularly. To be the church, by the way, not retired. I'm not supposed to get to 65, which is only four years away from me. Then my wife and I can back up into our parking spot at Cracker Barrel at 4 o'clock at the early bird special and get home for the trifecta, which is world news tonight, Jeopardy and Wheel of Fortune. And there is my life. That is not retirement. Retirement means, Dan, you don't have to work for a paycheck anymore. You get to use what you've saved up to be the church and join God for free. And give yourself away just like I did. And then, and if I'm going to do that first and that second, that means I must spend wisely. I must see every financial decision as a spiritual decision. I must understand, Dan, what's want. What's a need? God will take care of my needs, not all my wants. And I have to understand what contentment is. I'm satisfied with what I have. It's okay. So let's move on because there's more in this restored economy. In God's economy, it is better to yes. than to receive. Now, let me say this too. Sometimes you're going to give people the greater gift by being a very gracious receiver. It's okay to be in need. That's God's economy. Sometimes you need to say, I need help. And that then opens the door for the greater gift for somebody to go, well, I have some of God's resources I want to share with you. And then all of a sudden you have given that person the greater gift because it's better to give than receive. But we need receivers, okay? So catch that one. Now, God also says in 2 Corinthians, he likes cheerful givers. He doesn't like grumpy givers. He doesn't like givers that are like this. He likes people to give Hilariously, which is the better word for God loves a cheerful. I can't believe how much I'm giving away of God's stuff. Now, this is not prosperity gospel. It has nothing to do with me. I'm a conduit for God's resources to those in need. And he wants me to join him in a cheerful and lavish way. It's a get-to, folks. It's not a have-to. I I should never go in, and I'm a pastor. I tell people, never feel like you should give. Because at that point, you're full of should. And I don't want my church smelling like should. Give because you get to. We get to join God. He's got plenty of money. So I get to create opportunity and build wealth and to share both of them with other people. I get to be viewed view people appropriately. So as a manager, I look at people not as liabilities that need to be managed. I look at the folks I serve with as great assets of God that need to be built up. It goes that far in generosity, how we view people. Let's see more about this restored economy that we find ourselves in as the church. Money is benign, but we're told this, that money reveals my heart and the love of money can get me into all kinds of bad mischief. Giving away money can get me in all kinds of good mischief. It's kind of therapeutic to just give away God's money sometimes. So in our school of business, we want every form of capital to help alleviate every kind of poverty. That God has given us more than money and he wants us to be generous with anything. Now here's a big deal. Early church got to take care of Widows and orphans. True religion is this. Take care of widows and orphans. The opportunity of the local church is to care for people financially and lovingly. And if it's better to then than receive, then in the local church we have an opportunity to be a part of God's work in the community and give. And in culture over the last hundred years, the local church has abdicated that opportunity to our government. This is not a political statement. It's just what's happening. And so I tell our congregation, I don't want our government to steal my blessing. It's better to give than receive. Let's go out and care for the people that need us to be the church. Let's move on to the next slide. So I got to paint the picture for the final part here because God is so intricate that from Genesis to Exodus, he's got, I mean, Genesis to Revelation, he's got this whole thing figured out. So we work a life where we understand it's all God's. It's God's stuff. We manage God's stuff for his kingdom. And then we come across with this verse with Paul. It's better to give than receive. We understand that. Paul says this to Timothy at the end. He wants to be found faithful. He wants to have a life well lived. Because he knows we're going to get this crown of righteousness. This is not work salvation. This is an award or a reward for a life well lived with God's resources. Are you tracking? So... Paul talks about this. This is what we get. But then what do we do? Do we show off our crowns to each other in in heaven? I'm not even going to look at your crown. I'm going to be on my face before the holy, holy, holy. I'm going to be in front of Jesus who died for us and gave it all. And my crown has nothing to do about me. But we're told by John, and this is the most amazing revelation... That he was in a prison, a white-collar prison in an island called Patmos. And he had a moment, a sacred moment, where the heavens departed and the veneer was thin. Kind of like the revival at Asbury. And he got to see heaven. And in heaven, all it was was worship. And the 24 elders, which included the 12 elders, the 12 tribes of Israel that died with the hope of Jesus. And the 12 elders from the New Testament, the 12 followers of Jesus. That represents... 24 elders, all who follow Jesus, the whole of humanity is in heaven that is waiting for Jesus. And what are they doing in heaven? They are casting their crowns in worship. They are giving their lives at that point to the one who is holy, 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 the Lord of Lords and the host of hosts. That's the end, that's the opportunity. So I pray that we might see that today, creation, fall, redemption, restoration. That what we do this side of heaven with God's money, God's talents, God's life will be awarded to us to give him in heaven. Because in God's economy, it is better to than receive. And even in the end, he allows us to be givers. So in the weeks to come, we'll go to the last slide here, you're gonna have opportunities here. Keep learning 2,350 verses in the Bible about money. God's brought money into our world to weave it in and out of our lives to showcase who's Lord of my heart and do I really trust him? I have a dear friend who is my 30-year-old mentor. And these are some of the books you might wanna read uh, financial pieces is coming up in a couple weeks pay attention to that that's an opportunity too but my friend Jake who's 30 has been mentoring me literally for 10 years and I say that for real because we went through this whole course this is this is how he looked at God's economy He said my whole life I'd been spending like this trying to control everything Trying to control my budget, trying to control my debt, trying to control my girlfriend, and she ended up marrying somebody else, trying to control my parents, they got divorced, trying to control the health of my grandpa, he died of cancer. I've been trying to control everything, and it's got me nowhere. And when I finally understood, I had to let go that if I really trusted God and walked that bridge of faith, I had to let go. And He said, So I started every morning like this. And I want you to hold now for a second with me what are the things you're holding on to what are the things you're worried about financially do this hang on to it. white knuckle it what are you grabbing on you? what are you trying to control is it your money is it your life is it i in the middle what is it jake said this every morning and i do this as often as i remember he wakes up and he says hashtag palms up how's that feel It's not my money. It's God's money for the sake of others. It's not the church's money. It's God's money for the sake of the kingdom. So we're going to pray. And as we pray, I want you to think for some of you here, this may be the moment you understand, hey, creation, fall, redemption, that was for me. I need to cross. Stop putting I in the middle and put the cross in the middle. Maybe today's your day to be baptized. And when you get baptized, don't forget to baptize your wallet. That's His too. Some of you, it just may be a hashtag, palms up moment. And I want to give it away to God. It's not prosperity gospel, it is kingdom gospel. And so we're going to pray because I think this, I don't think. I know when I met your pastor this year and I've heard the history of this church that you are anointed to be a light in the midst of darkness as a group of believers that follows Jesus hard but also opens their hands wide I believe that with all my heart and I'm a pastor of a little church in Kentucky but I'm keeping my eye on you and when we get God's economics right everything changes this could and should be a seminal moment for this church to shift in how we value and view resources. They're all God's, and we get to share. What a great opportunity. Father, as you, Father, Son, and Spirit, in perfect community, even shared your community with us. And then when we went our own way and put I in the middle, you shared Jesus. You came down, put skin on, and died in our behalf, the exchange. But then, even more so, if we become redeemed, we get to be a part of being restorers with you, restoring all things this side of heaven for a new heaven and a new earth. Bless these dear saints as they consider your truth, your word in their lives within this congregation, for this community, as you have placed them here intentionally. Bless them all in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Thanks for listening to the weekly podcast from Journey Christian Church. If this message was a blessing to you, be sure to click the follow button and share it with your family and friends. For more information about Journey Christian Church, please go to journeychristian.com.